0: Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the stream. My name is Emily. I'm one of the English tutors from Canada. Um, Also spent some time living in the UK. And currently, I am streaming to you from Panama. Um, I'm outside right now. And there might be a bit of wind and noise. So let me know. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me okay. All right, let me know. I'm trying something new today doing this outside. So hopefully, it will work all right. Otherwise, please let me know in the chat if there's too much background noise. Otherwise, if all is good, then I will keep going. Okay, so we have a very interesting topic today. It's all about overlanding. All right, so what is this? What does overlanding mean? So overlanding is to travel a long distance over land, over months, or even years. So it's going on a really, really long road trip. Um, And it means that you're kind of self-reliant in your way to travel. So usually you would be sleeping in your vehicle or you might be sleeping um, in a tent on top of your vehicle, like is shown in the picture. Maybe you bring a tent along. These are all different ways to do overlanding. All right, so it's a special form of travel. Let me know where you're from in the chat. Come say hello, nice to have you here today. If we haven't met, if you haven't seen one of my streams, my name is Emily. All right, cool. And yeah, as I mentioned, I'm outside. So let me know how the sound is. Hopefully with this, the sound will be okay. All right. So maybe you've heard of something else called um, off-roading. And so this is a little bit different from overlanding. There is overlap for the two. So off-roading would really focus on taking a vehicle and traveling on uneven, rugged, um, and natural terrain. So there might be lots of rocks, maybe it's really muddy. Um, And so when you're traveling somewhere like this, you're gonna need to have a four-wheel drive. Um, So they can be similar, but that's kind of the difference. All right, so let's see who we have here today. (laughs) We have Hakim from Saudi Arabia. Andres, your first stream, welcome. Hello. Glad to have you here. Okay. Mexico, Turkey, Palestine, Colombia, Ukraine, Jordan, Egypt. So many people here today. All right. And yes, someone said I'm speaking very fast. This is meant to be kind of a higher level stream. So I will try to speak a bit more slowly. But if you have any questions throughout the stream um, about vocabulary, about the topic, or you just have a comment to make, please go ahead and add it into the chat. All right, cool. So what else? So what else kind of defines this idea of overlanding? So the primary purpose of the trip is to be exploring different lands. It's kind of an adventurous way to travel. And as I said, it's going to be at least a week, but it's probably more like months or even years that you're traveling. There's a lot of logistics involved, um, especially if you're going to be crossing borders or going to remote locations where you might not have a connection to Internet, for example. You're gonna be encountering new cultures, maybe going to underexplored areas. And you're gonna need to have that point that I mentioned before, self-reliance. So you need to rely on yourself. Okay, and there's a question in the chat from Amunoz. Can I see subtitles? So when the streams are live, like right now, there aren't subtitles, but you can go and watch the stream after and then subtitles will be added. So there's going to be a fourth tab when you watch streams that have already been recorded and that way you will have subtitles. Okay, yeah, someone said only available after, exactly. Yes, we are live right now. So there are no live subtitles. Cool, okay, so that's what overlanding is. I'm curious to know, everyone we have here today, what have you done before, you personally? Have you gone on a road trip for at least a week? Have you been on a short road trip less than a week? Have you been overlanding? Have you done this sort of months or years of traveling with a vehicle? Have you been off-roading? So remember, that's probably using four by four and going over rugged terrain, maybe going into what's called backcountry, mountains, places like that. Or do you not really like to travel by car so you prefer to maybe apply to a destination check it out um, maybe you like to travel by train let me know in the chat what your preference is for traveling okay cool all right so we have quite a few road trippers in here excellent so maybe you'll have some ideas to also share with the group today if you have any ideas about what the best road trip is, or maybe you've done a road trip that was really amazing and you loved it, please come into the chat and tell us about that, okay? Great. Cool. So let's go into a bit of history about this topic, about overlanding it really started becoming a thing um, when the highways were developed in Australia. So Australia is a huge country with a lot of areas called the Outback um, that are difficult to cross. And so as highways were being developed, people started doing these long road trips around the country. And then in the early 1920s was when this idea of a motor caravan or kind of the early camper van started to come about. So you'll see an example um, in the picture there of one of the earliest camper vans um, in the world. Looks like it could be pretty fun. (laughs) Okay. Let's see here. Okay, so how do you choose a vehicle? There are many different types of vehicles you could use for this type of journey. So there's a few things to consider. Um, how far will you be going? So, um, you know, are you crossing a country? Are you crossing multiple countries? How much comfort do you need? Um, how much space do you need? All these kinds of questions. How far away from civilization will you be? So. You're going to want to have, uh, you know, more safety and uh, different things to help with accessibility if you're going further away from civilization or cities. Terrain, we've already talked about a bit, so that's whether you need 4x4 or not. Um, Where in the world are you going? Are you sticking to highways? Are you going somewhere that's less developed? And what is your budget? So I mean, the budget for a vehicle is a huge, huge range. There's people who will do overlanding trips on a bicycle, a motorcycle, uh, maybe an SUV, like in the picture, a camper van where you sleep inside, or even huge RVs, which you would see more um, in like North America, in United States. Maybe you've seen pictures of those huge buses that people go travel in. So the budget is going to be a huge range, you know, from the cost of a bicycle to an expedition vehicle that is bulletproof, and um, you bring along all sorts of things with you. So there's a huge range. Cool. Yeah, someone in the chat mentioned route 40 in Argentina. Yes, that's one of the famous routes. There's also route 66 in the United States. So there's a few of these kind of famous highways that are known for being great for road trips. Okay, so let's see here. <laughs> I would like to know which vehicle would you choose? Okay, so would you go for a four x four SUV? So that's kind of a mid-sized vehicle and maybe with a roof tent on top. Would you go for a pickup truck? So that's the truck that has kind of an opening here with a camper attached. Would you like an RV, recreational vehicle, or a camper? So that's an all-included vehicle. Would you like a camper trailer? So this is when you have your vehicle and then you pull a trailer behind. Or would you like to be um, a bit more adventurous and go by motorcycle? I've met lots of people who are going around the world on, on motorcycles and I think it's pretty adventurous. You're very exposed to the elements uh to nature so it's definitely the more adventurous way to go okay all right so most people here are saying the 4x4 suv with roof tent absolutely that's a great option Um, for the current i'm currently traveling on a long road trip myself overlanding from canada to argentina i'm currently in panama why it's nice and sunny out there. Um, but we were trying to decide whether to go with a 4x4 SUV with a roof tent or a camper. And so the 4x4 would have given us the ability to go to more campsites in remote areas. But because we're traveling for such a long time, we decided to go for a camper, which is all in. All enclosed, so that if it's raining, if it's windy, if it's really hot, kind of anything to do with the weather, we can go inside the vehicle. Um, that being said, there's a lot of really cool roof tents coming out now that are very durable. So even if there is some bad weather, um, you can be pretty comfortable. But in the end, for the trip I'm doing right now, we decided to go with a camper van. Okay. So now what I'd like to do is go through five kind of famous routes around the world that people do with overlanding. And then you can let me know which one you would choose. So listen up and we will go through five of the famous routes around the world. Cool, so the first one is Australia. As I mentioned before, you know the roots or the origins of overlanding really go back to Australia. So this famous route takes you from Melbourne to Darwin and it will be about 2,300 miles, 3,700 kilometers. It's a really massive country, right? When you look on the map, you can see this is a huge country. It's vast, remote, and there's very wild outback. So I think this is one of those routes where it would be great to have four by four. And some of the highlights of this trip would be driving through the center of the country where there's Uluru Mountain, which is a mountain that just kind of comes out of nowhere (laughs) in the middle of a really flat land. I would love to see that. And so, you know, if you um, did it pretty quickly, you could maybe do this in about three weeks. But of course, like anything, if you have more time to stop and enjoy places along the way, maybe a couple of months would be good for this trip. All right, let's go to the next one. And if you've done any of these yourself, I would love to know. Let me know in the chat. So the next one is a famous one, the Silk Road. So the original Silk Road went through China, Central Asia, Turkey, and into the heart of Europe. Um, So you can still follow this ancient path. And it's a great uh, kind of cultural and historical journey to take. It's about 4,000 miles um, and 4x4 is also probably required for many of these roads. Of course, you can stick to highways a lot, but you're probably going to want to have a 4x4 vehicle in order to do this route. Um, I would love to do this as well. Um, Someone's asked how many hours would it be Melbourne to Darwin? I'm not sure, but if someone wants to check on Google Maps and let us know in the chat, that would be great. Yeah, of course, the idea is not that you're going to drive straight 24 hours a day and switch off with your driver. You want to kind of enjoy the journey along the way. Um, Someone here saying an RV is like a mobile house. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes people call it like a house on wheels, um, a home on wheels, a rolling house. These are different ways to talk about it. Okay. so the Silk Road, definitely one I would love to do. Next, we have across Africa. So usually people will do this route from the north to the south, from Cairo to Cape Town, and this is over 6,000 miles long. Of course, you're gonna see some amazing, spectacular wildlife and culture along the way. Um, You're gonna get to interact with people from different cultures, visit different countries, Um, but it can also be challenging terrain. So this is a trip that you shouldn't rush. I would say you want at least six months to do this, if not a year. Um, It's a long way with lots to see along the way. (laughs) So maybe six months would be good for this one. Mm -hmm. And Alex saying, I need a lot of days off and much money to do this kind of trip. Absolutely, so um, one of the things people can do is to work remotely. Or you can work along the way to make money for your trip and it actually ends up being cheaper than backpacking because you're often not paying for accommodation so usually on our trip we stay places for free at night to camp sometimes we stay in campsites and it might be like ten dollars a night um but yeah it ends up being way cheaper than traveling like normal If you also have your own kitchen inside, you can cook your own food. So really the costs come down to gas or diesel, food cost. um, And of course, if your vehicle breaks down, that could be expensive. Um, But the idea is that you buy your vehicle at the beginning, you sell it at the end. So hopefully you're able to get back a lot of the money from the vehicle itself at the end of the trip. But it does, I would say it is cheaper than backpacking overall once you have your vehicle. All right, so that is across Africa. I would love to do that one too. I've done a road trip in um, South Africa, but it was only three weeks. So definitely not long enough for that country. Um, I would love to go back and do this across Africa trip. Let me know in the chat what you think. Do you wanna do this one too? Okay, the next one's a little bit different. It's not actually, a vehicle trip. So this one's a railway trip, but it's one of the most famous ones in the world, the Trans-Siberian Railway. So maybe if you're one of the people who answered that you don't really like traveling um, by car or um, SUV vehicles like that, maybe this is the trip for you. So it can be done in just a few weeks, but you can also get off at different stops along the 6,000 mile journey, going through remote regions and decide, Yeah, decide when and where you want to get off to explore more. So for me, I would love to do this. And so this one, even though it's not your own vehicle, um, it's still kind of a form of overlanding, traveling along the land. And the last one, so the trip that I'm doing right now, I'm in the middle of it, um, is called the Pan American Highway. So this is taking you from Alaska down to Argentina I started the trip in Canada, so I started the trip in Vancouver and so far I have made it down to Panama. But there's a little bit of a tricky thing when you get to Panama. So the highway is made up of a network of routes, but when you get to Panama, there's a jungle called the Darien. And there's no highways um, at all going through this area and there's also no ferry. So in order to get to Colombia, you have to put your vehicle on a container ship. So, you know, those big boxes that you see on ships, you have to put your vehicle inside there and send it. It's, o- it's less than 100 kilometers, but this is the only option. Um, it could be possible to cross the Darien Gap. People have done it, but it is a very, very thick jungle with mountains, rivers, and there's wild animals. Um, There's also a lot of drug smuggling, human trafficking, a lot of issues going on um, in this area. So although it could be theoretically possible, it isn't really. And so actually right now I'm in Panama with my camper van and I'm making plans in the next two weeks or so to put my camper van inside a container and I'm gonna ship it to Colombia And then the option is to fly to Colombia or you can go by boat, but there's no option to go with your vehicle in a boat. Unfortunately, I wish there was, it would be a lot easier. Um, Okay. So El Delgado is asking if I've been to Ecuador. I haven't yet, but I should be in Ecuador, probably in, around October, I would say I should get to Ecuador. Looking forward to it. So I'm heading south on this trip right now, the Pan American Highway. Um, So each time there's a stream, I might be in a new place. (laughs) Okay, so we've gone through these five famous routes. Tell me which one appeals to you? Which one sounds like the most fun, most adventurous? Um, If you had the opportunity, with time and money, um, which one would you choose it? And maybe tell me why in the chat. Tell me why you chose that one. I would love to do all of them actually. I think um, they would all be a really cool experience. There's lots of world to see out there. <laughs> but it's a wonderful way to travel. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I tend to be a person who like plans a lot, but when you travel like this, you have your home with you. So you have food, your bed, we have a bathroom inside with a shower. So it doesn't really matter what our plan is each day, <laughs> as long as we find somewhere safe that we're gonna uh, stay that night. So it's very like liberating way to travel, I would say. So I highly recommend if you ever have the chance to try um, this overlanding experience. Okay, so lots of people saying The railway, because I love train journeys, I also really love train journeys. It would be amazing. Um, And Kiara's asked, no mention of Route 66. No, so Route 66 is definitely one of the big journeys, but it's just within one country. So I was kind of focusing on the bigger overland routes this time, but Route 66 is definitely one of the famous um, kind of road trips to take in the United States. All right, and Odelgado, some recommendations for Ecuador, Guayaquil, Quito, Cuenca, and the Galapagos Islands. Definitely, yes. Yeah, I'm hoping to get like some last minute deal maybe for the Galapagos. Of course, I will not go with my camper van. I will have to put my camper van in a parking lot somewhere and then either take a boat or fly to the Galapagos. Yes, and I will be in Colombia soon, yes. Um, so my van is, we're going to ship it to Cartagena on the north coast, and then we'll make our way south, but I'm very excited. I have tickets for Daddy Yankee and Medellin (laughs) in October, so I'm going to go to that concert, which should be really fun. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Okay, so most people saying the railway, which I totally agree with. I agree with all of these. I think they would all be absolutely worth it cool all right yeah continue to share more in the chat about which one you chose and why curious to know it's difficult to choose they're all i think they're all great options (laughs) alex daddy yankee is god (laughs) um yeah i'm very i'm very excited to go it'll be fun concert apparently it's his like um goodbye tour because he's i guess he's pretty old now so maybe Um, He's going to stop touring soon, so I'm super excited. (laughs) Let me know in the chat if you also like reggaeton and you like Daddy Yankee. (laughs) Okay, so what do you think? Is this dangerous? Is this a silly thing to do? Um, Are you just taking unnecessary risks? I don't think so. I think it can be as dangerous as you allow it to be or as safe as you strive to make it. So there's a few things you can do. The first is personal preparation. So before you go on your trip, make sure you have insurance, um, first aid kits, you might consider taking even a self-defense course, uh, particularly if you're going to be traveling on your own. I've seen some people who travel on their own who have a dog with them, so maybe kind of like a big dog, always good to uh, keep bad people away. know about the areas you're going, what type of animals there are. So is there like mosquitoes with dengue fever? Um, Are there wild animals that you need to be aware of? If you go up to Canada and the US, um, there could be bears. Do you have bear spray? All these things. So all the kind of things to get yourself ready for the trip. Um, Some other things you can do to keep your money safe is to have an extra wallet that has maybe copies of your ID and just a little bit of money. So if someone tries to rob you, you can just give them that fake wallet, (laughs) but they're usually happy with just a little bit. Um, Put your money in different places. So in the vehicle, you can even install a a safe. So like a secure box with a lock on it, you can hide it if possible. Um, So in my van, we actually have two safes, one that fits the laptops, which are a bit bigger, and a smaller one, which are hidden. Um, Alarm systems, maybe kind of thinking of anything else for the vehicle to keep the vehicle safe. These are all things you can prepare for before you go on your trip. So navigation, Um, have an idea of your route, but I think be flexible. There's some countries where you might want to stick to the toll roads, for instance, so like the paid roads. Um, I think particularly in Northern Mexico, we were told to stay more on the toll roads just because it can be a bit more dangerous in some parts there. Um, Talk to the locals. They're gonna tell you, you know, it's fine to go here, avoid this area, Um, check road conditions. So there's a really cool app, which I use a lot called iOverlander. Um, It's free and people will put warnings about if there's a road closed or if um, it's difficult to rain, um, anything like that. So people will put warnings about the roads so you can look before you go. Um, what else? Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, I think talk to other people, other travelers along the way. They will give you some ideas of navigation. And to keep safe on the road, you should maybe check the road rules. So for example, not in all countries, you can't necessarily turn left on a red light. You wanna, or, or sorry, turn right on a red light. Um, when you're stopped, things like this, you just wanna make sure that you know what are the local rules. You should avoid driving at night, not necessarily because um, there's going to be dangerous people around, but because there might be ass on the road. There also might be unmarked uh, speed bumps. This is a particularly bad problem in Mexico. The speed bumps are the biggest I've seen anywhere in the world. If there's anyone from Mexico here, they'll know the topes they're called there. They are insane, and there's so many of them. So if you go too fast, um, you're going to potentially... break your vehicle and have to get it fixed. Alex said, also know the transit signs. Yep, totally. So there's going to be different road signs in each country. But ultimately, overall, I think common sense <laughs> is good to take with you on the road. And I don't think the world is as scary as the media would have you believe. So I think you just got to get out there, um, talk to people. Most people in the world are good. All right. There's one. um, There's one other book recommendation to read that someone told me about. It's called Don't Go There. It's not safe. You'll die. (laughs) Um, So Obviously, they're being a bit silly here, but it's talking all about kind of rational advice if you're going overlanding in Mexico and Central America. So what realistic um, things can you do to prepare? and yeah check that one out if you're interested a couple other resources so i mentioned ioverlander which is a wonderful free app they not only have information about road conditions but they have information about free places to camp um, places to fill up your water so if you have a water tank in your vehicle um, how to cross borders so when you're crossing international borders You have your passport and you enter the country, but also your vehicle gets a sort of visa. It's called a temporary import permit. And sometimes the human will get the same amount of time as the vehicle, but not always. And so there's some paperwork that needs to be done at each border. And so this app, iOverlander, has excellent up-to-date information about how to cross each border. In my experience, it usually takes about two hours per border to cross. and we did two borders in one day, one time, because we were in a bit of a rush. So we crossed the border uh, with Nicaragua and Costa Rica in the morning, and we drove across Costa Rica in eight hours. And then we crossed the border with Costa Rica and Panama that night, <laughs> and then slept at, a, slept at a gas station with our vehicle. Um, so having this information online, amazing. There's another one called Park for Night, which is more common in Europe. So maybe in other parts of the world where you live, there's one that's more popular, but iOverlander really covers the globe. Um, And then there's WikiOverland. So it's like Wikipedia, but for overlanding, and it has information for every country about all the useful information you need to know. Cool. So I hope you've enjoyed hearing about overlanding. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about it. Maybe it's something you want to do. Do you have any other questions? Um, As I mentioned, I am in the middle of my trip. I left Canada in December last year. Um, I'll probably travel for I don't know how much longer, (laughs) um, but okay let's see some questions in the chat here so malale says the process of accurately knowing your position and planning a route yes totally so usually what i do is each country i go to i get a local sim card and i add data to that and so that way i have google maps but there's also some mapping applications you can download offline so when you have wi-fi you can download the maps for an entire country And that way, even if you're somewhere without service, you have the offline maps to keep safe. Okay, Alex asking, where do you recommend to change currency? Um, I always just use an ATM. Uh, If you can try to get a card that has maybe some good percentage rate to take out money, that's the best. Um, Also, a lot of these countries, at least in Latin America, usually have really good rates for US dollars. Some of them even use U.S. dollars, um, El Salvador and Panama, it's the official currency. So if you can have some U.S. dollars with you, of course, not all on you, but um, have them in your safe. Those are good to exchange. And I wouldn't usually do the airport. I think they usually rip you off. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just using ATMs is fine. Bring a couple of different cards with you, too. You never know if um, I mean, if your wallet or purse did get stolen or if one of them stops working for some reason, or you lose it. So having multiple options is really important, if possible. Okay, so one question here, which country did you like the most? Um, I would have to say, I mean, everywhere has been wonderful, but I really love spicy food. Um, (laughs) And so I really loved Mexico, um, particularly I loved around um, the Oaxaca region, the city and down at the beaches. And I also really loved the nature in Chiapas. Um, for some of the other countries, the volcanoes were really cool. So in Guatemala and El, um, El Salvador, we visited some volcanoes and Nicaragua. So where you can actually see the magma and there was a volcano that was um, erupting that we saw too. That was cool. And um the surfing in Nicaragua and El Salvador was really good um Panama's Panama's been wonderful I'm here I've been here now for about two months I did some surfing traveled around to the islands but yeah I think because I love Mexican food that was one of my favorites (laughs) so far but I'll keep going all right Mm -hmm -hmm. So let me know if there's any other questions. As I said, you know, it's not, you can do this too on a tighter budget. The vehicle doesn't have to cost a lot. You know, it might be a few thousand dollars, or you go with a bicycle. We met an American guy who's cycling the whole way and he's camping. So <clears throat> you can imagine his only costs are food and then maybe if something breaks down or something, but he's, you know, you, he's doing it on a very small budget. Um, yeah, there's there's different options it doesn't have to be an expensive thing uh, let's see here so some countries you need to drive on the right in this case would you rent a car okay that's a good point so in all of the americas um we drive with in the left seat so on the right side of the road and actually if you had a vehicle in the right seat you're not allowed to go into some countries so i think it might be like costa rica and nicaragua you're not allowed to enter those countries with a vehicle that drives on the other side. So you would definitely want to check which countries you're going to. And I think probably the safest is to go with a vehicle that's left seat, because I think most of the world is that way. And I don't know if there's any right seat countries that don't let left, but I'm not 100% sure. But I do know for this trip, for the Pan American Highway, there's certain countries that won't let you in. Um, Let's see which cities do you consider cheaper? Um, so Central America is not that cheap, actually, especially like uh, Costa Rica <clears throat> and Panama. They have a lot of Western tourists coming, and so um, it can be fairly expensive here. Mexico was the cheapest so far, but I think um, we're going to Colombia next. I think that will also that should be cheaper than Central America has been. and um, the other South American countries we'll see and do you have any plans to go to the middle eastern countries so not on this trip i would love to do um i would love to do the one of the ones we talked about there the old silk road which would go through all the stands um so i would definitely love to do that trip one day but i think after this one i'll probably go back to having a bit of a normal life for a while and then um but yes i i would absolutely love to travel through the middle eastern countries All right. Cool. Well, hopefully, I gave you some ideas today um, about different adventures you might take. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you again in another stream soon. My name is Emily. It was wonderful to have you here. Bye. Take care.